Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and today I want to talk to you about siblings. Now I really want to give perhaps what might be a little bit of a different way of thinking about siblings and what might be going on between them and a way of helping siblings, siblings really enjoy each other. Now a lot of my approach comes from aware parenting and if you're familiar with Aware Parenting, you'll know Aletha Salter, PhD, who designed Aware Parenting. And I remember many years ago her likening a sibling having a new sibling with this scenario. I wonder if it resonates with you. What I love about this way of looking at it is it can help us feel lots of empathy and compassion for siblings. So how would it be if, if you have a partner and your partner came home one day and started to tell you about how they were bringing home a new wife or husband and that you were going to love them and you were going to get on with them and it would be so wonderful for you to have this wife or husband to, to hang out with and to play with. And perhaps as this, this was going to happen over the weeks or months until it actually did happen, that perhaps they started... Um, you know, being a little bit less aware and present with you. And maybe when they did bring home this new wife or husband, they spent way more time with them. They actually started spending less time with you. They um, were kissing and cuddling the new partner. They were starting to get expect more of you, ask more of you, um, give less, give less connection and start to perhaps be more frustrated, a bit more harsh, um, listen less to your feelings, um, ask you to do more things, and continuously being more loving and affectionate with the new wife or husband. And do you imagine how you might feel? You might feel really jealous, you might feel deep hurt and loss and grief, you might feel frustration and rage and powerlessness. I really love this metaphor because really if we put ourselves in our child's shoes, you know, it can be even more powerful and, and, and often is even more powerful than this for a child because especially the younger they are um, because we are the sun and the moon and the stars to them and you know, it's even more powerful than a relationship with a with a partner, or a husband, or wife. It's, you know, as parents, we are their worlds, especially when they're little. So really understanding it's really completely natural and normal for the sibling, when they have a new sibling coming, to have really, really, really big and uncomfortable feelings. So... As time goes on, you can imagine those feelings still being there. And the, the younger sibling, you can probably imagine it's really natural as well for the younger sibling also to have big feelings around the older sibling, particularly around things like all the things the older sibling can do that they can't do. Perhaps that increasing sense that they may get at some point, often not, not till quite a bit older, that their older sibling or siblings were around before they were and had experiences that they didn't have um, and particularly you know if it's many children in a family sometimes the the youngest 
sibling can experience being not included, being shamed, often being the, the target of any upset feelings of the older children, particularly um, if there's any powerlessness getting passed down um, from, from higher up to, to younger. And it's almost a little bit like, again, like a relationship. You know the little times where there are little hurts, you know, things said, things not said. Um, you think of all those times with siblings that, that, you know, one maybe took something from the other or didn't listen or said something unenjoyable. All those little hurts that build up and build up and build up. So I wonder if hearing this way of looking at it, you may already look at it like this already, but if you don't, I wonder if it helps you feel deep compassion for your child or your children, to really see beneath the behavior, to see the, the big, big painful feelings that can sit there. And of course it depends with every child and every family and it depends on lots of other family things too. But I think it can really help us to have that compassionate hat on and to understand that the reason often, you know, the things that we often maybe take for granted that, that have to happen between siblings, the, the fighting, the rivalry, the, the pushing, the harshness, the competition, any of those things. If you see any or all of those things um, with siblings, might be with your own children, I think we often think those that they kind of have to be like that. And I really want to offer this approach that although the feelings are normal, and natural and all the behaviors that show up are a result of those painful feelings that we actually can help children so that they aren't behaving in those ways to their siblings or at least that they're doing it a lot lot less the other thing to think about on a day-to-day -day level even once siblings are older is that it can be sometimes really hard to share parents or a parent we live in often a nuclear family culture. We're really not designed to live in that kind of a, a family situation. And sometimes, you know, it can be hard to, to really be sharing that. And again, it's really natural to feel jealous or frustrated or powerless or sad or, you know, all these feelings are really, really natural. So what can we do though? So what can you do as a parent if you're going to have um, maybe a second baby or you already have two or more children what things you can can you do tangibly because it's um, yes knowing is one thing but what tangible steps can you take so the first thing really is the understanding piece you know the way we think about things the way we're thinking about our children does have a profound impact on how we feel and also on how we're able to act so really having this understanding, because it can be so easy to, to fall into perhaps more old-fashioned ways of looking at children, maybe judgmental ways, harsh ways, punitive ways, but to really have this understanding and to remind yourself as many times as you need to remind yourself that they're not doing it deliberately, they're actually not enjoying it when they do those, those unenjoyable things to each other, that it comes from these really painful feelings, jealousy, um, loss, 
frustration, powerlessness, those kinds of feelings are sitting underneath the behaviors that we don't enjoy seeing. So having that understanding is the first part. The second part is listening to our own feelings or often it means having someone else listen to our feelings. It's really natural again, you know, especially if you have a baby and you're, um, if you have one or more older children and they may be being harsh or pushing or pinching or hitting or in some way being harsh to the baby or the younger child. It's really very common for us to have really big feelings, to, to want to protect the younger child. And the more we get to have those feelings heard by a loving, compassionate listener, who's not going to judge us, but who's going to say, yeah, of course, so you feel rage, you feel frustration, you feel powerlessness, you want to do X, Y, and Z. The more we actually get to express those to someone else, the less likely we are going to act in harsh ways to our child, which if we act in harsh ways is going to add more painful feelings. So they're going to be even less able to be their natural compassionate selves. The other thing that can often happen if we have, you know, maybe it's not a baby, but you have two or more children who are, you might want to call it fighting or squabbling, whatever term you want to use, it's often common for our own, what I call sweet spots, which I'm, by which I mean painful past feelings, painful feelings from the past coming up because we're being reminded of something similar that was painful in the past. So that can often be if we had siblings who fought or who were harsh with us, so that can also come up with the with the, that previous scenario I was talking about, if perhaps we had an older sibling who pushed us or tickled us or hit us or shamed us or did those kinds of things with us, we can have all the feelings that we had as the younger sibling where all that time, every time we experience that, those can come up in the here and now. That's the way our psyche is designed to work, that we're having a, a similar situation, it's reminding us of the original one those feelings come up to be heard now. The important thing is to recognize the real source. The source actually isn't in the, in the main from what's happening here and now. The source of those huge big feelings are from the past. So the more we get to speak to someone where we can share those feelings, they can be heard lovingly. We can say the things that we might have liked to have said to our bigger sibling, the less likely those words are going to come out to our child. Because it's our job, you might use that word, as a parent to help our children rather than to pass on the hurts that we yet haven't healed from. So it's a really amazing opportunity to do that. The other thing that can often come up in these scenarios is if our parents used to fight if they had arguments, um, whether severe or mild, to whatever degree, often as children, we can feel really powerless and scared and frightened and all kinds of, again, painful feelings. And often when we see our children fighting, again, that situation in the, in the present reminds us of the original scenario and again, we can have those feelings come up in the here and now. Maybe, if, um, maybe we 
kind of dissociate, we feel frozen. That's part of our, now our psychology, our biology trying to protect us. But those feelings are from the past because actually as an adult now we have all kinds of skills and capacities that we didn't have as a child. We have, um, you know, we have freedom to leave, for example, which often, you know, as a child, we often needed to stay in situations that weren't helpful for us. So again, really, the second piece is really recognizing our own feelings and the source of our own feelings, and not only recognizing that, but having ways to express those and heal those and get to say what we didn't get to say and get to do what, to, to do what we didn't get to do, get to hear what we didn't get to hear, and as I say, either with a compassionate listener or an inner process. So I have uh, something called the Inner Loving Presence Process, which is all about doing exactly this. The more we can do that, the more clear we're going to be able to uh, be, and the more we're going to be able to respond in the here and now as a compassionate parent there to help our children rather than as one of the inner children in us um, in pain and trying to heal ourselves. So the first piece is the understanding, the second piece is our, our own feelings. But what can we do then from that point? So there are three options, so number three, four and five, in any moment. Some of these, these can be used both preventatively and in the moment. So one of the most helpful preventatives is, the, uh, is what I call present time. So present time, uh, I have a little free course on present time if you want to find out more. So all of the resources have lots of free and paid resources on my website, which is marianrose.net. So present time, which in aware parenting is called non-directive child-centered play, is really setting aside a chunk of time, which can be five minutes or 10 or 30 minutes regularly. doesn't need to be every day, but... If you can do it two or three times a week, amazing. If you can do it every day, wonderful. There's something magical that happens with present time, and particularly with siblings. So if you do have more than one child, which clearly you probably do if you're listening to this, uh, often you know it can be hard, can't it, to find time to be with, with one of them. And particularly if you're a single parent and my heart goes out to you, but finding some way or other so that there's going to be a chunk of time where you're spending it with one child and you put on a timer, that can be really helpful. You can find out all about this in my Powerful Present Time Practice free course. Putting on a timer and for that chunk of time, giving your full attention, your full presence to your child, being really with them. I often like to, to do things like, you know, really look. So looking at their face and their skin what does their skin look like? Maybe noticing freckles, really looking in their eyes. What do their eyes really look like? Seeing maybe the hairs on their skin. Um, these kinds of things can help us get really, really present, really, really present in the moment with them. We, we can also really follow their lead. So it's a really engaged type of thing, present time. It's not so much passive, it's very engaged. So um, letting them lead and we follow and we join in with whatever it is they're wanting to do. You may need to set limits beforehand. I recommend if there are any things that you don't want to happen that you set that up as part of the beforehand. So 
if it's um, you know no screens, no sugar, that's what I used to say no to my kids, no screens, no sweet things while we're doing this, so that it's you know that they know within that I'm going to be able to say yes or no getting hurt. That was the other thing. Um, and then be fully engaged, be really in there and follow your child's lead. The, the, the reason it's so magical, and you may say, but I spend loads of time with them, and I really hear that. But every single time I'm regularly doing present time, I always find that magic happens, absolute magic, that um, I, I feel much more connected with my children, which often is a really nice byproduct. People will often say to me, it's usually mums, will say, you know, I did present time to help my child because they were doing this, that, or the other. Um, and I was surprised to find that I felt so much more connected with them. I was in, felt in love with them again. I really enjoyed it. And it, you know, really helped me also feel much more happy in my life. There's something magical that happens. And it's this, these two factors. One is connection. And the other is choice. The beautiful thing is that because we're setting up the space, we have, we have choice. We're saying, I'm here and available for this chunk of time. And within that, then they have connection and choice. And I really invite you to have a go at present time. It's really so magical. And particularly if there's sibling issues, rivalry, fighting going on, because often so much of the pain that siblings are feeling is that sense of, I don't have enough connection, or my mum or dad doesn't lovely, love me, or mom or dad, you know, they don't care about me. It's often feelings like that or thoughts like that that are driving the behaviors that you really don't enjoy so pouring in present time regularly and try and I know it can be hard and if you have if there are two parents it can be really helpful one can be with one one can be the other with the other um, even if you can only do it once a week and maybe do it a little bit longer and maybe go out and it's you know they get to choose what happens it can be really really powerful so as I say, I have lots more information about this. I have free articles as well on my website if you want to. I really invite you to delve into that a bit deeper to really understand it. So that's the first piece of what we can do. So we can do that preventatively, and it really does prevent a lot of challenges. We can also do it in the moment, you know, particularly if you do have two parents around and maybe it's a weekend and that might be a time where both parents are around and perhaps you can see the tensions rising. That might be a time to say, okay, let's do present time. You know, ex, would you like to do it with me and, I'll, and you do it with dad or would, then we swap over. Something like that in the moment can really, really help shift things. So there were other two pieces, weren't there, that I said were really tangible things that can help. So the, the second one is attachment play. Now, present time is actually one of the eight forms of attachment play. I call it present time. Aletha Salter in her attachment play book calls it non-directive child-centered play. That's more of a, a classical um, psychological term for what's happening. Attachment play in general is using the power of connection and play and laughter to help release feelings like frustration, powerlessness, um, particularly frustration, powerless, um, feelings around not being able to do things, all those kinds of uncomfortable feelings, they get released through 
connected play and particularly these different these eight forms of attachment play there are many 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 different types that can really help with siblings again I'm going to give you I'll give you one that is really really helpful and it's called the she's mine game or the he's mine game so again this is really helpful if you do have two parents and even if there are two parents you you're separated from um, the father or mother of your child you can still play this game my ex-husband and I play this with my son sometimes particularly if he's feeling a bit reluctant to go to his dad's house we'll play the he's mine game and it's basically I've, we often do it on the couch but they're both parents on the couch or one on the couch or sofa or settee whatever you want to call it whatever country you're in One's kind of got the child and the other one's pretending in a goofy kind of funny way maybe to hold the hand and say, but he's mine, no, he's mine. And the other one says, no, he's mine. And the other one says, no, I want to give him a thousand kisses. And the other one's like, no, but I want to give him a million kisses. And what you're doing there, and you can probably see, is because you're fighting over your child, that part of them who thinks that we don't care about them so much because of the time we spend with the other sibling gets filled up and they get not only that but they get to laugh about the times where they haven't felt that they have actually kind of had the opposite thought like that we're wanting to push them away or we don't want to be with them it really gives that opposite experience it's a really great game again particularly as a preventative you can play it in the moment if you can find a way of doing it um, there are lots of forms of attachment play that will really really help siblings particularly things around um, any power reversal games where you play the less powerful one and they play the more powerful one. Um, but yeah, lots of games, as long as there's not tickling, where even in the moment where they may be fighting a bit and you get in and you say, and you, and you pretend to say, come and pick on someone your own size and you see if they'll come and chase you around and you'll pretend to fall over and they laugh and you pretend to trip over and be silly. So those are nonsense games. So um, some of these games I've got from Aletha's book, Attach and Play, which I highly recommend, Aletha Salter. Uh, there's also a great book called Playful Parenting by Lawrence Cohen. And there's another approach which is similar in many ways, not always, but similar in many ways to aware parenting, and that's hand-in-hand -hand parenting. And there's some great games um, on their website as well. So um, thank you to all three of them. So um, so incredibly grateful for all the games. So if you want to also learn about more games, I have um, a free intro course and articles on my website and I have a paid course which has videos of me going through all the different attachment play um, styles and lots of games for each type. So that's the second thing you can do. So the, those three tangible things, the first is present time, the second is attachment play, like the he's mine game or the getting in and saying pick on someone your own size. I'm pretty sure that's a Lawrence Cohen game. I think both of those might be. Um, the last tangible thing you can do is listen to those painful feelings. Now the thing is, often children speak in codes. They often um, use what I call emotional flags. So sometimes a child may say, especially if they're verbal and they're old enough and they're really, that's their, you know, they're really comfortable with that kind of thing. They might say, you know, I'm really jealous or I really, um, you know, those kinds of things. And then you can, of course, give empathy. I really hear you, sweetheart. You're really jealous. You really, I, I'm, I'm right here. I'm listening. 
but often children and especially the younger they are but even older children will the, the feelings often need to come out not just in words but in crying because remember what we talked about remember that grief and the loss and you may have felt that too you know with the with the when you have each new child there's a there's a change isn't there in the relationship with your child especially if you, have, you go from one to two that relationship changes and often you know things return again but often there is a sense of loss there it's really natural for children to need to cry and to cry a lot around the the less time that they have and the hurt that they feel it's really natural for children to need to rage and tantrum because that's the way they release these painful feelings the rage of and the powerlessness of they you know they may have liked the idea of having a new sibling but also felt quite powerless because it's it's us that chose isn't it not them so tantrums raging um crying really being there as much as we can and listening to those feelings being present i hear you sweetheart not distracting them not trying to pacify it not shaming or punishing really really listening and really seeing that after that big cry they come out the other side feeling much more calm and relaxed and more loving so from this paradigm a child's true nature is love and compassion so the child or each of your children want to be loving and compassionate with their sibling that's who they really are and it's been my experience that the more we're able to listen to a child's painful feelings through their crying their raging um, as long as they're not hitting or biting or hurting and if you want to um, if you want to find out more about that I have articles and podcasts on loving limits I'd look into loving limits because we can certainly stop any of those hurtful behaviors without ever needing to shame or to punish or to push away because when we stop those behaviors but we're saying no to the behavior but yes to the underlying feelings then they can cry and rage let those feelings out and return to that true compassionate nature and it's certainly been my experience that siblings can absolutely love each other and adore each other when they get to express enough feelings it can be loving and compassionate really experienced that with my children um, until my ex-husband and I split up when my son was four and my daughter was eight up until that time 97% of the time they were completely in love with each other played together um, not ever any harsh anything completely adored each other and you know my great huge experiment of two two sample size um, but you know when all the big feelings came for them it was really clear to me that then they started behaving quite differently to each other um, and once they got to heal from those feelings and express them then they could come out the other side and be loving and compassionate again so it's really remembering you know, if you do have a partner or you've had an ex, you know those little things that they've done and if you don't get to heal from those, those things accumulate and they end up, we end up in pain in relation to that person and we act in harsh ways and it's really, you know, we're so similar adults as children you know, the more we get to express those feelings and have them lovingly heard, the more we can be loving and compassionate. Children children's true nature is compassionate and connected and cooperative and contributing and calm and able to connect and concentrate 
the more we get to meet their needs, particularly for connection and choice, and the more we get to listen to their feelings, the more they're able to be who they really are. And particularly in this sibling relationship. So, the, i just go through those points again. <laughs> Number one is really helpful to understand why they might be behaving in harsh ways to each other. Number two is really helping ourselves on our own feelings level, um, particularly around our own sweet spots from the past and have those feelings heard or do our own inner loving presence process or similar. The third is doing present time or increasing present time. Fourth is attachment play and the fifth is listening to crying and tantrums. If you want to learn more about crying and tantrums and listening to those, um, again you can find out lots of free stuff on my website marionrose.net. I have also um, free and paid courses, I have one called Making Friends with Children's Feelings which goes into all of these things in lots of depth. But really I do invite you, if, you're, if you have two or more children they are fighting or you have a baby and a child and the older one is doing harsh things to really get some support for yourself, get have your own feelings heard because it's really hard to respond in any of these ways if we're feeling powerless or um, full of rage or hurt or disappointment. So having our own feelings heard so that we can be that clear, compassionate parent that we really are makes all the difference. Thank you so much for watching. I look forward to talking to you again in another podcast.